If you would, please take with me, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one of, one of your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I come to Troas to preach God Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are in to God, the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. The challenge that we face is remembering who we belong to, who created us, a purpose that he's created us, and a hope that he lies before that hope that he holds before us of eternity one day with him. But humanity has always been plagued by an adversary in Genesis 3 and 4, that of the serpent that was more crafty than any other creature, later described to us as Satan, which Paul was reminding us in the reading this morning, our being careful not to peddle the word of God but to speak it in truth and to live it in our lives, but to remind ourselves there is a spiritual smoke stream that we face day by day. You've seen with Adam and Eve, we go back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Genesis 2 and verse 7, we read about the creation of man in the image of God. And after his likeness, in 2 and 7 we read about God forming us from the dust of the ground and breathing into our nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. But Satan enters the picture. And he gets us to listen that we're not careful to his phrasing, causing us to forget what the Word of God really said. 
Satan uses the word. He does there in Genesis 3. He does with Jesus in the temptation in Matthew 4. He's always active. But his desire is to get us to see that a change is not as bad as it seems to be. Adam and Eve were told the day that he eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that day you shall die. Satan changed the one word or left one word off, thou shalt not. Or added one word, thou shalt not surely die. What a change that made. Everything then changed to a different perspective. Forgetting what God has said. Looking at his commandments and then looking at, well, look at that tree. It's good to look at. Its fruit is to be desired, pleasant to the eyes, make one wise. Why not? That's part of it. The other part is being reminded that when we sin, our tendency is not to accept the guilt of our sin or the fact that we have sinned. Satan's smokescreen is to change that. Eve, it's the serpent's fault. Adam's is even worse. God, it's your fault. You gave me the woman. It's your fault, God, that this took place. We find it difficult to accept the consequences, one, that we have sinned, and two, that we are guilty of sin within our life. We have a tendency to want to cover it up in one way or another. Talk with individuals about their life and what they need to do and why they're not doing it. And you hear different statements come forth. Why are you not doing what you know you need to do? Well, that's a long story. Not really, but we want to say it's a long story trying to justify why we are not doing what we know to do. Or we will say it's a complex issue. A lot of factors involved in that that have to be considered. Or it's a gray area. You ever heard that one? It's not black and white. There's some gray areas in there that one may be in and really cannot say whether that's right. Well, that's wrong. The question is, have we used that in our life? Do we put up smoke streams to end a discussion of why what we've done is sin? 
and why that sin needs to be repented of and needs to be acknowledged within our life. The story is really not that long. We have to consider all the circumstances involved. You have to consider what was taking place and so on and so forth. No, the story is not that long. We know when we use that that we are the guilty one. And we would rather that others would not know that we are guilty. So I have a a story, a long story to tell about it. And the issue is really not that complex. The complexity lies in how are we going to live with ourselves if we admit what we have done. And the area is really not gray. It's just black and white. We're just trying to kill the lights so that one won't see our faults along the way. Beware of Satan's devices, of his schemes. He's seeking to destroy. It has the appearance of making life easier here. As it appears to the human nature, as opposed to the commitment that we make to God, Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 deals with several of these issues along the way. Throughout that 23rd, 22nd chapter and before and after as well. But particularly down about verse 34. Jesus had just finished silencing the Sadducees. And again, as you go through and as we read, you're reminded that again he is talking and about and he's talking to those who claim to be God's people. The Jews under the Old Testament. But he's talking to God's people. And again, it's interesting that there are those who take some of the positions that were being taken. We discussed this morning in the auditorium class that there are those or preachers that I've known who preached for 50 years and now have taken a position of saying, that the Bible does not teach that there is a hell, an eternal place of punishment for the wicked. It's not in line of who God is, so it's simply not there. On this other side, you have these Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection, just as bad. 
And because they could not conceive of a resurrection, they discounted it. As we might with other teachings of God's Word. So they had their reasoning for not believing in a resurrection that they presented to Jesus, and he quickly answered that. God said he is the God of the living. He is not the God of the dead. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are not dead. They live. Well, the Pharisee heard him put the Sadducees down. So he comes, and this is where it may have some application for us as well. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Why would one wonder that? If you love the Lord your God, as you'll get down to, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, why would you want to know which is the greatest of the commandments? Are you trying to change what needs to be done? Now, if you single out the top commandment, then I will stress that commandment in what? I'll leave the others undone. As long as I'm doing the best one, the greatest commandment, then that's, that should be all that is necessary. Why? trying to justify himself. We know our lives, we know where we're at and what we're doing. And we're trying to justify our staying where we're at. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, The hypocrites have all heard him teach. They've all seen the miracles that he has performed. They've all heard the testimony that he is the Messiah. That he will be the atonement for our sins. If we're not careful, do we not do that? Do we not use a smoke screen? There are things in our lives that we know we really ought not to be doing. But we justify it. Well, I may not be doing all of that, but I'm doing this, and that's what counts. You talk to people religiously and you hear them as well well I may not believe that exactly as you teach that baptism is for the remission of sins for example but I do believe in God and that's what really counts 
Do you believe in God? How do you know about God? But through His Word. And if you believe that He is, and you believe that He is the reward of those that diligently seek Him, then why do you not believe what He says? Jesus' response is very clear. He does not even attempt to categorize the commandments. Well, let's just start with the first one, love God. And no, he just wanted to categorize them down the way. He sums it up in two words, if you will. Love God. Love neighbor. That takes care of it, does it not? If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, if you truly love God, there's not a problem in keeping His commandments. Well, society has changed, smokescreen. You don't understand how difficult it is today, smokescreen. You don't know the trials that we face in the world, smokescreen. Love God. Then you keep His commandments. Well, I'm doing this. I don't do everything he has asked or I've seen in the scriptures, but, you know, I do love God, and that's all that really matters. No. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Are we doing what God wants us to do? See, you already know what he wants you to do, do you not? That's already a given. Love him. Obey him. John reminds us in 1 John 5 and verse 3, Herein is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome or, or grievous. Herein is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. If you love God, you have no problem keeping his commandments, and if you love your neighbor, you're not going to want to do harm to him. But it's easy to love those who love you. How well do you love your neighbor? When you're driving to and from work in the Metroplex. Somebody cuts you off. It's an interesting world we live in, is it not? Is that just recently a case where an individual was texting and shown that they were multiple, multiple texting at the same time, caused an accident and killed two small children. And then try to cover it up. Delete the text off the phone. 
But if you haven't learned by now, just because you deleted them off the phone does not mean they're deleted. But simply saying, oh, we won't do that. You just drive around and watch. It's interesting to see again. It's interesting to see the comparison, if you will. It's trying to see how society wants to handle the situation. We passed the law. It's against the law in Texas to text. Simply, it's against the law. It's being defined now as when you do, it's reckless driving, which carries a stiffer penalty than the slap on the wrist. How do you handle that? God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these, love God, love your neighbor. Hangs all the law and the prophets. Everything's summed up in that. God has a simple solution, love. Seek the best interest of. But we want the smoke screen. Well, you don't know how close they came to causing me to have an accident. Or whatever else it may be. You don't know how they mistreated me. You don't know how they took advantage of me. Love as God loves. Do you think God does not know about that? Go back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And Genesis 2 and verse 7. God created us in his own image. Go to Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Go to Romans 6 and verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Who's guilty? Of sin. And how would you want, and how do you want God to respond to you? We remove the smoke screen. When I sin, I sin, and I'm guilty. Need to repent, need to confess. Need to turn to God. But you don't know what they did. It's a long story. No. You don't know how much harm they did to me. No. God knows. God is working with me. He's working with you. He's working with all of us. Ours is to develop that characteristic. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We're a new creation in Christ. New characteristics, new thinking, new perspective. It's who we are now. And we are expecting God to reward the faithful. Where do you fit? 
and God rewarding the faithful. Are you? Or are you trying to hide behind some smoke screens and think that God cannot see through that? His word clearly does, and I know he clearly does. John tells us in 1 John 1 to walk in the light as he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another. It's the loud part of the verse that's great. We have fellowship with one another. And we have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do not want to lose that, do you? Is there anything on this earth, any relationship, any situation that is worth losing fellowship with God? That's a choice that we have to make within our life. Are we willing to make it? Bring Christ to your broken life, so marred by sin. And he will create anew and make whole again. Bring Christ to broken life. Turn it over to him. He is the one that will heal. He is the one that will restore. He is the one that will make whole again. It's only for us who are willing to do just that. Either to become his child, if we've heard his word and believe that he is the Savior. Willing to confess that he is Lord and Master. Repent of the sins that separate us from God. Obey him in the watery grave of baptism for the remission or the forgiveness of those sins. So that we may be raised to walk a new life. And then in walking this new life. To walk in the light of the word. Our life is not where it needs to be. That we need to make a change within our life. If we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.